Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, presented by Star Market. I am Ty Anderson, joined as always by Dale Arnold. Dale, how are you feeling today? I feel great. A um, little lack of sleep, thanks to the U.S. women's uh, hockey team. Uh, look, I'll say this, and I know that this is a hockey show, and we both understand that that's 99.9% NHL and Bruins. But if you're a hockey fan, and we are, what you saw last night was, was magic. I think it is idiotic to the 100th degree that you decide any sort of a championship in a shootout. That should never, ever, ever happen. Having said all that, that was something to watch last night. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I, what scared me about that game was watching the USA dominate, watching their women's team completely dominate Canada late in the third period and all of overtime. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, this is going to end on some cheap goal and transition by Canada. It's going to be the worst feeling in the world. Well, it's kind of like the way the U.S. tied it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at a bad line change by the Canadians, and all of a sudden, Lamoureux gets behind them, and that's the sort of goal you're talking about where you're going, oh, God, look at what happened here. Uh, it was It was neat. And you know, I, I know some of the girls on the team. I know Hillary Knight and Brianna Decker and Megan Duggan. As I was watching the end of the game, I was thinking about Ralph Cox, who was the last guy cut out of the University of New Hampshire, the last guy cut by Herb Brooks before the 1980 Olympic team that won the gold medal at Lake Placid. Fast forward to 2018, Bobby Carpenter's daughter, Alex, is Ralph Cox. The last girl cut, she'd been on the Olympic team previous. The last girl cut from the team, wherever she was sitting watching the game last night, I'm sure she's thinking, I missed a gold medal by that much. Yeah. And that's and she's a great player, too. A terrific player. Yeah. Most of us were shocked when she got cut from, from this team. But I, as I was watching it, I was thinking of Alex Carpenter and equating her to Ralph Cox, 1980. And ironically, February 22nd, 1980, was when the uh, U.S. men's team won the gold medal, February 22nd. 2018 is when the women's team won the gold medal against Canada. Yeah, and I enjoyed it because I had people saying what a letdown the Olympics were because Team USA was out early and whatnot. I said, well, they're still a women's game. They're still a women's team, which they've been probably the most exciting team between the two, in my opinion. I've had more fun watching the women's team than I than I have the men's team this year, and I can't remember the last time I really said that. And It, it, go, it shows sort of the progression of the American game for the women's and, and where they're trending, I would say. Look, my, I am the father of a, of a female hockey player. She was the captain of her team at Mount St. Charles Academy, played on back-to-back state championship teams, played at, at Sacred Heart and then transferred to UMass and played you know, through her senior year at, at UMass. I've been around the women's game for a long time, 
and I, I'm not you know, being unrealistic here. I know that a lot of the times I was watching UMass play against Penn State or somebody, and the only people in the stands were friends and family. Uh, we could have gone around and said hello to each other. Uh, you know, it, it is not as popular. Even at the national level, it's not as popular. The Boston Pride play right next door here, and, and you can walk in any time, get a ticket, and go see a game anytime you want. I feel bad because these girls play for the love of the game. They're, they know they're not going to get rich at the end of this whole thing. They know that they're not going to be able to make millions of dollars and set up their families forever. They play because they love it. I, I, I appreciate their game because I watched it with my own daughter, not at the same level, but all through college. I feel bad sometimes that they don't get more recognition and more rub, to use a wrestling term, than, than they do get and that they deserve, but it's fun to watch. Absolutely. And I listen, anytime I can see Canada upset, I'm, I'm a pretty happy person as an American the, who, hockey fan. How about fan. the Canadian girl who took the silver medal off? The minute they put it around her neck and she just took it right off, I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going to happen there. I didn't what, know she was going to throw it on the, the ice or something. I thought she was going to put it in the crowd like the, uh, like the Swedish kid. The, yeah, uh, the, just I chuck forget it. his name now. Yeah, the Rangers prospect. At the uh, World Juniors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought I was going to do that, that exact move. And I was like, oh, no, here it comes. But it never happened. I mean, at least to my knowledge, didn't. So. Now, my, my partner on the radio show, Rich Keefe, would appreciate that. He hates sportsmanship. He thinks sportsmanship is supremely overrated. I, I would say, grow the hell up. Yeah. You guys were winning a lot, and you were happy to have that medal hanging around your neck when you were winning. What, all of a sudden now second place is no place? Grow up. It is a weird feeling, though, right? Because you did accomplish something. But You're the it's, second best team in the world. It's, never, it's not going to hit you that way until years later, I find. You know, and, and at some point, I hope one of her parents, at some point after she gets home to wherever she's from in Canada, pulls her aside and says, not a good look here, honey. <laughs> yeah. That was not what we wanted you to do with that sort of thing. And I hope she's, in the light of day, is going, oh, man, I kind of wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a participation trophy. It's a, no. you know, the second best te- you're a part of the second best team in the world. And yep. You should really embrace that. I, look, as I said, I'm a hockey fan. You're a hockey fan. It was great to watch. I know what we're here to talk about, and that's not it. But we couldn't begin zero pucks given without talking about a, a remarkable gold medal game last night. It was fantastic. And talking about the second best team in the world, if you will, Boston Bruins right now. At the moment. Make a trade the other day. Nick Holden for a third-round pick and Robbie O'Gara. I like the trade. Curious to hear what you think about it. I love the trade. Uh, you know, as Don Sweeney said in the aftermath of making the deal, he said, you go back to last year's playoffs. The Bruins were on their 10th defenseman. Yeah. They had four defensemen get hurt in the Ottawa series at various times, and, and they were playing with their 10th defenseman. Now, do you want to, assuming that the, the worst happens and guys start to fall the way they did last year, do you want to bring in a 30-year-old guy with NHL experience who, by all reports, is great in the room, great teammate, everybody likes him, got a lot of experience? Do you want to put him in the lineup, or do you want to put Rob O'Gara in the lineup? I'd rather put Nick Holden in the lineup if it gets to that. I don't know what his role is going to be here. Look, I don't think – as we're sitting here taping this right now, they're in Toronto with nine defensemen on the roster. They're not going to keep nine defensemen here. They're not. You wonder if Matt Grizzlick's going to be sent down, and I hope not, because I think it's a bad message if you do. You wonder if they'll, they'll try to slip Paul Postma through waivers. And let's be honest, he hasn't played since November. If somebody did pick him up, you know, thanks for being here, Paul. You gave us a great shot with the reunion with your dog in Calgary the other day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, great picture and everything, but, you know, he's not playing anyway. You've got to get one of these, at least one of these defensemen off the roster. It's not going to be Holden. You brought him in here for a reason. It's not going to be McQuaid. It's not going to be Kevin Miller. It's not probably not going to be a guy like Carlo. Now, you could make a deal here. 
I mean, there's a lot of rumors out there about the possibility of trying to get Ryan McDonough, for instance. Uh, Kevin DuPont of the Globe suggests that that a package that would land you McDonough might be a, a Carlo and a Trent Frederick and a first-round pick. So you'd be getting a defenseman off the roster, but you'd be adding another one on. Uh, you may be looking at, at you know wheeling a guy out of here sometime before now on Monday. Yeah, and I think you almost look at this like look at this like you have to. I didn't look at this trade and say, okay, they're done. Oh no, no. It's one of those situations where you look at the sort of the the ripple the ripple effects of this of this deal, and you say, okay, well, Postma can't play. You know, you can't have him hanging out here now. He's going to be the he's going to be the ninth defenseman. He wasn't playing as the eighth. Now he's going to play as the ninth. No way. So I think I look at this trade though, and people I think people were quick to freak out about a third round pick for a guy who's more or less a depth piece. But a third round pick has a maybe twenty percent chance of playing a hundred NHL games to begin with. You're talking about a pick in the sixties. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Absolutely. I mean, really, you're. I know this is this is a rental. This is truly a rental. He's a UFA at the end of the season. They're probably not going to bring him back. They've got too many young defensemen in the system now. They're trying to get it onto this roster. But he serves the perfect purpose here. I also think, to your point, I think he's the stepping stone. I think Don Sweeney's got some other things that he's working on. Get this guy in here. Okay, I've got that depth defenseman position filled. I now can work on moving this guy out and trying to get this guy in. I, I think he's got at least one, if not two more moves still to come. And I love this move as well because he's played the right side most of the year. He's a left shot defenseman. Left shot, though. But he, so you can kind of move him around. Maybe he's a little bit like your Seidenberg, not as much responsibility, but you can sort of put him out there in all situations and be confident and in his And he's been paired with McDonough a lot of the year, you know, as, as really their top pair defenseman. Now, the Rangers are a train wreck, but I'm just saying, you know, he has, he has played important minutes alongside Ryan McDonough for at least part of the season. You'd feel very confident sticking this guy in a spot somewhere and saying, okay, you've got to help us out here. Uh, and and I, I feel better about the depth at the blue line rather than bringing up a kid from Providence or, or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's, I think, speaking to your point, you'd almost feel more confident putting him into a role here knowing that he's not going to be a top-pairing guy for the most part. Unless something happens, yeah. he's going to be on the third pairing, which may allow him to sort of excel like Louis Erickson and Carl Soderberg did, you know, in a defenseman sort of way for the Bruins. So I think well, I you have Sweeney to like it. I heard Sweeney say uh, the other night in Edmonton after the, the trade was made, he said, he said, you know, we're going to incorporate this guy into our lineup. Well, I thought that was kind of up to the coach, to be honest with you. But the way he was saying it, look, we didn't bring him in here to just play the Paul Postma role. I think they want to use him. And that indicates to me that somebody else is going to be moving on from here. Absolutely, because it's hard to sit there and say, okay, well, it's, for me, it's, anyways, it's hard to sit there and point at a guy right now that's not really in the mix or would be worthy of sort of sitting. So you'd have to think there's another shoe to drop here at some point, especially if he's going to get actually involved in this team. And I think it'd be really weird to to, to trade two pieces. I, w- I will say this. O'Gara didn't have a future here. No. He's a nice kid, but he doesn't fit Great what they're kid, doing. Great kid, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Everybody loves him. And, yeah. You know, he's a Long Island kid. He'll get an opportunity with the Rangers. They're trying to go young. He'll probably play there. He wasn't going to play here. He should. I mean, if you if you look at their, their latest defensive roster, they're Yep. He should be playing, I, w- I would say, but he didn't fit what they were doing. He he wasn't great with the puck. He's not big enough to be a net front kind of guy like McQuaid or Kevin Miller, you know. So I think that's been an issue for him. So, you know, and I think now they they get sort of what they need and what where they want to go. And uh, this is a move that you make if you're a contender, which the Bruins most definitely are. Now you say there's another move to come. I'm very I curious. I think there's two moves to, still to come. Where do you think they target? I think they're looking for a defenseman. Now they they added a left shot defenseman, but I think they're looking for a. a top four left shot defenseman, and I don't think they think Nick Holden is that. Uh, and I also think they're looking for a left wing. Uh, now, you know, where you go with that, I don't know. 
you know, we were kicking this around the other night at Nesson in the green room as we were trying to figure this stuff out. And, and I ran the, uh, you know, the whole uh, Brandon Carlo, Trent Frederick, and a first-round pick by Billy Jaffe and Barry Peterson. I said, would you do that for Ryan McDonough? And they both said, hell no. You're giving up way too much. I said, would the Rangers do it for Rick Nash and Ryan McDonough? And they both went, hmm. Yeah. Now, you've got to decide if Nash is the guy that you want to plug in. Uh, you know, there are times when, when Nash plays and he looks like, you know, a top three forward on a team, let alone a top six. There are other times when he looks like he's battling for a, a bottom six kind of role. Uh, got great size, great hands, decent skater, not outstanding. I've also heard the rumors out there about Patrick Maroon. I've heard the rumors out there about Milan Lucic. Uh, Lucic, before the game in Edmonton the other night, was doing a, a morning skate pre-tape. And, and if you listened to it closely, he spent the entire time talking about how much he loved being in Boston and being a part of the Boston sports scene. It was practically begging Don Sweeney to please bring me home. I don't think he's very happy in Edmonton. I've heard that his wife isn't even living in Edmonton now because she doesn't like living there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he does want out. Uh, I hate to say it, but I don't think there's any way in the world. And, and if Edmonton offered to pick up 75% of the contract, I don't think he fits here at all. No, Maroon's a better skater than Lucic. He's a rental as opposed to Lucic has, has got a long term. He signed one of those seven-year deals at $7 million a year. Uh, I love Milan Lucic, the person. I don't like him, the player, anymore, and I don't think he fits in here. Uh, Patrick Maroon is a rental. I'd be okay with that one. Uh, I wouldn't mind bringing a guy like that in here, and not just because he's always killed the Bruins. I hate that. Oh, he's always played well against us. We've got to go get him. Thomas Vanek's always played well against the Bruins, so you've got to go get him. I don't want Thomas Vanek on this team. Maroon, I'd think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant on Maroon. Uh, I just think that when you play with McDavid, you're going to get the, the, the prime scoring chances. I don't know if, if he gives you all that much of an upgrade over what you have when you can kind of move around. If he's having a bad game, you can move DeBrusque down, move Heinen up, move Backus up if you really want to. Will DeBrusque still be here after Monday? See, if I'm the Bruins, I'm not trading that player. I, I just I can't I can't trade that player because of what I've seen from him this year. The, I like him the a lot, growth by that the way. he's made. Yeah, it, it's just I, I think that's that's a tough one to sell to your room if a player who comes well, in and embraces everything is moved. And I'll tell you what I'm hearing, and, and some of the talk here is, well, Ryan Donato's going to come in, so you can trade Jake DeBrusque. Well, I know Jake DeBrusque can play at the NHL level. I've been watching him do it all season long. I think Ryan Donato's got great upside. I think he will be here when the Harvard season is over. But I don't know he can play at this level. I've got great confidence that he can, but I haven't seen it. I know DeBrusque can. Uh, you know, I think Donato is going to end up being one of those, you know, almost trade-type additions because I think he is going to be here. Uh, Trent Frederick may well turn pro after his Wisconsin season is over. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Donato's got a much better chance of playing here, I believe, than Frederick does. But I think you're going to add a guy like Donato. I still think that they'd like to get themselves a veteran, decent size left. Sorry what are you, a rookie, for God's sake? Sorry about that. First time, you know, I would fine you for that. You, I know. you can't be having phones going off in the middle of this important freaking podcast. I know. Zero pucks given presented by Star Market, by the way. boy, How to work the sponsor, and I'm <laughs> proud of you, son. You're, you're, you're learning. Uh, I think Donato's going to be here. I still think they'd like to make an addition up front. I think they'd like to make an addition on the back. Um, I, I, I think Don Sweeney knows and Cam Neely knows. They've got a team that could win a cup here. And you don't want to be wasting, you know, 
cup possibility type seasons from guys like Bergeron and Marchand and Chara and, and then kick yourself later on saying, oh, man, I wish we'd done something. I, I think they, they, they think they've got a team that can win the cup, and I think they want to add to it. Yeah, that's sort of what I wrote last weekend for EEI. I, I basically said that this is a perfect storm. You have Rask, Bergeron, and Chara all contributing at career highs or close to them. When's, when's the next time that's going to happen? You really can't bank on that. All Two of the guys are entering their mid-30s, and the other one is going to be 41 next month. You know, it's really hard to sort of say, well, this isn't our year. Next year's our year. Well, how can you be so sure? So I, I do think there is that sort of element to it. And when I'm making a move based on that, I want to make sure it's the right guy. I'm not sure Maroon or Vanek are the right guys. I think Nash would be closer towards the right guy because he's been in the East, Eastern Conference for so long now that he really knows these teams, and it wouldn't be an adjustment period and a half for him. You know, Vanek has obviously been here in the Eastern Conference, but I'll tell you what, he just I, I, he vanishes I'm, I'm, way I'm in, too yeah, much. I've got, I've got no interest in Vanek here. Yeah, it just doesn't work here, I don't think. And, and even Now, Nicholas Schalmerson, I'd have some interest there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if they'd wheel him. And, and, you know, I kind of poo-pooed this when it was brought up to me originally, the idea of, of Arizona perhaps looking at moving Max Domi. And I thought, why the heck would you move a kid, young kid, you've got under control, you know, got a lot of upside. But I'm hearing out of Arizona that, yeah, they're, they're kicking the tires on the possibility of moving him. Now, would you want to have both Ty Domi's and Louis DeBrusque's kids on the same team? It's good uh, genes. Yeah, well, in one in one particular way, if, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. But well, Jake's already shown he's got better scoring hands than than Louis does. You know, maybe a Max Domi, maybe, maybe a Nicholas Schalmerson. Uh, I've heard Patrick Sharp's name brought up because the the Bruins have had interest in Patrick Sharp in the past. Uh, I, there there are going to be some rental type players available. The question is, which one fits in best with what you're doing here? Does Jerome McGinley fit one of those? No. No? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't know anybody who knows Jerome McGinley who doesn't love the guy. Yeah. I mean, I love the guy. Uh, he's 40 years old. He'll be 41 on July 1st. Hasn't played all year. I think it's a little tough to crank it back up. When you, when you miss a season at 28 or 29, it's one thing. When you miss a season at 40, I think it's tough. I think he feels he owes it to himself to see. We're taping this thing on a Thursday. He's skating today again with Providence. Skated on Tuesday with them, skating again today. Uh, he asked the Bruins if he could do this. Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, to their credit, said, absolutely. You want to go down and skate with them? You go ahead. There, there are no strings attached. There are no promises given. This is not a, a tryout agreement or anything like that. It gives him a chance four months after hip surgery to say, have I got anything left in this tank? And I don't blame him for trying. Play till they rip the sweater off you. And I love Jerome McGinley. I don't see where he fits here, though. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, like, I look at it and I say, okay, well, if no one's going to reasonably deal with you, if no one's going to say, hey, you know, we'll treat this player for a second-round pick or a third-round pick, whatever the case may be, and everyone wants a first-round pick, it's almost like, okay, well, we our forward core is pretty good for the most part. Do we think that we're a simple addition away? Do we do we want insurance policy? And I and I look at it and I say, okay, well, if Aginla's making a prorated league minimum, I wouldn't be against bringing him in as a 13th forward and seeing what he has. Because it's not a bad presence to have in your room. But no, he's a great time, presence to have in your room. And, yeah. and like I said, I don't know anybody who knows him who doesn't like him. I just have my real doubts about whether he can contribute anything at this late stage of the season. Yeah, and that's the, the fact that thing. he hasn't played all year. That's the big question, right? You, if you bring anyone in, you want to make sure they can actually contribute. You right. know? And if you're losing, let's just say, Vitrano to waivers or something like that, and you're bringing in Aginla, you want to be sure that you're going to get something or anything out of a 40-year-old again. And, and I think Vitrano will be dealt by Monday. 
Yeah. That would make sense. Uh, he's not going to play here. He yeah. can't play here. There are teams who think he's got some upside. I mean, I thought Shirelli might be interested, you know, as part of a package to land you maroon. Um, you know, give up Frank Vetrano in a third or a fourth round pick type of thing. Uh, I think he'll be gone by Monday. I think Postma will be gone by Monday. Zarnik? Uh, possibly Zarnik. Uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he is. You know, and, and again, this is about this year. I, and, and I want to make sure I stress that. This is about this year. You think you've got a chance to win the Cup. That's all that matters. But if you're Don Sweeney, you've also got to think about next year and the year after. And you've got a bunch of young kids. Well, you've got a bunch of young kids on the team now. You got a bunch more who are banging down the doors to be here next year. And, you know, you're Don Sweeney, you're thinking, I don't need a first round pick this year. I mean, I got enough kids who, who I'm I'm holding back as it is. So I'm willing to trade a first, absolutely in the right deal. And a Ryan McDonough deal would be the right deal for me, by the way. Uh I think he's gonna trade the first round pick. Uh, I think those guys that we mentioned could well be traded or waived or whatever. I don't think they'll be around here in the next few days. I don't think there will be substantial, oh, my God, the roster is all different. They don't want to do that. Exactly. But I think you're going to see, well, you've got one new face already. I think you'll see one or two other new faces. And then when Harvard's done, I think you'll see another one. Yeah, and that, that makes the most sense. I think Donato is the guy that you're going to, he's going to be the Kreider or the McAvoy. I don't know if he'll play an important role as, as McAvoy and Kreider did for the Rangers. McAvoy got forced into it, too. Exactly. You know, we said they were, down, they were playing their 10th defenseman last year. Uh, they didn't plan on McAvoy having to, to be thrown into that situation at that stage of his career. I will say this, watching Donato play in, uh, in Pyeongchang, he looks like he's put on a little weight, and I mean good weight. You know, he, he, he always seemed so willowy to me when I'd talk to him in the past and I'd see him here at development camps and things like that. And look, he's, he's maturing. He's 22 years old. He did a PG year before he went to Harvard. So he's 22 years old. He's not a, he's not a you know, 18, 19-year-old kid. Looks a little beefier, better able to withstand the rigors of the NHL game. And, and let's be honest, the rigors of the NHL game aren't what they used to be anyway. No. Uh, I think he's going to be able to play here. It's go, go, go. Yeah. Today's he can NHL. do that. Yeah, exactly, as, as we saw. Uh, what do you think about these last, these, this road trip in Canada? I think they were lucky to get the points they did. Uh, you'll, it's sort of you take it and you run, because this is sort of the first scoring slump we've seen this team go through, I would say. Yeah, the first line is in a bit of a scoring slump right now, but I saw signs, started in Calgary, really saw signs in Edmonton where, okay, now they're starting to look like you know the guys we're used to. To expect that they were going to be able to play at the level they were at for 82 games is ridiculous. Nobody can. Uh, I'm, I feel fine about this team. What I liked is that they threw a clunker in Vancouver, and they all got together as a team and looked at the video and said, that's not who we are. We've got to tighten this up. And in Calgary and Edmonton, they looked like the team we've been watching earlier in the season in terms of strong in front of their own net. Uh, you know, the goals aren't there as much, perhaps. A lot of scoring chances that were going in early in the season weren't going in in the three games in Canada so far. Uh, I liked the response after the Vancouver game. I'm not concerned about them at all. Uh, you know, I... Uh, the fact that they're down 2 nothing in the third in Edmonton and score three to win, I take it as a positive, not a negative. Oh, absolutely. I, I just mean that, yeah. you know, grabbing the points you do you, you did there, I mean, not expected, if you will, you know, given the way they were playing. And, you know, I think the only player that's—the players that really came to play were Chara, I would say Tuca, 
And DeBrusque, who didn't have any points, by the way, to show for it. Right. But he, he played well, I would say, on, on that three-game swing there. Uh, Want to get some questions here? Sure. All right. Uh, so this is... These are the questions. You can always tweet us questions. Uh, use the hashtag zero pucks given. You can't. You don't have to add presented by Star Market. We know it's a very long hashtag. Uh, but one of the questions here well, was. You can tweet me at Dale E. Arnold. You can tweet Ty at Ty Anderson. There's an underscore in there uh, in the beginning. Oh, 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 it's yours has the underscore. Yeah, yeah it's, that's it's, too a, complicated it's a bummer. Me, it makes yeah. me not as legitimate as I want to be. Uh, this question is here from Tommy Sullivan. Uh, thoughts on kicking the tires on Boone Jenner? He's a solid buy-low candidate, has some bite in his game, and plays the game Krejci likes in his wingers. You know why he's a buy-low candidate? Because he scoring. sucks. He's not scoring at he's all. He's not doing anything. No. I love the idea, and, and we, we, we meaning you know hockey fans of any team think, you know, that guy sucks right now. But if we get him, he'll be really good again. I'm not interested in Boone Jenner, other than the fact that I really like his name. Uh, it's a good yeah. hockey name. Yeah, it's a great hockey name. But no, I'm not interested. All right. I, yeah, I, I pass on him. The shooting percentage is so low that it, it kind of worries me that he's not going to get out of this funk this year. And, and you're a pretty, you're a pretty damn yeah, good tell, shooting tell team. Tell me which guy you want to take out of the lineup to put Boone Jenner Exactly. In. I'm not in the mood for projects right now, I guess. And he's I'm, a project. If, yeah, exactly. Yep. So given this team, they, don't, they just shouldn't do any projects. Uh, Anthony Amico asks, do you think Riley Nash is the third-line center on a cup-contending team? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's his name again? Anthony. Anthony. Anthony, have you watched the games? Have you seen the way this guy's played this You're year? You've got to attack him as a person. <laughs> I know. No, I, 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 look, I think this guy's played great this year. Uh, you know, I, I love Riley Nash's game. It's heady. Uh, you know, Bergeron light in that regard. He's not Patrice Bergeron, but he thinks the game a lot the way Patrice Bergeron does. Always in the right place at the right time. You know, penalty kill, big face-off guy. Third-line center on a cup-contending team? Absolutely. Yeah, I go back to Chris Kelly here. I didn't think Chris Kelly was a third-line center on a cup-contending team. And he was. And, and he was even better than that. And especially, I think this line has some of those elements where you have you have Heinen as your scorer who can also play some strong defense. And, and Bacchus is a sort of a known commodity that you can trust in any situation, I think, which really goes a long way uh, for that line as a whole. I think that they've been a shutdown line. They've been a scoring line. They've really kind of been your Bergeron Jr. line in a lot of ways this year. So I think by now you sort of have to buy in uh, to what you've seen from that group. Uh, next question here from Jarrett uh, Howland. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm so sorry. Uh, Bruins seem to be struggling on the power play as of late. Yes. What do you think they are missing, and what can they do to turn it around? I don't think they're missing anything. You know, they've got the same people playing the same spots. Look, other teams in the NHL scout as well. Uh, and, you know, that, that low triangle bumper play to Bergeron, everybody's sort of seen it work really, really well. So all they've got to do is tweak some things. And, you know, what they've done is, is try to incorporate. They were using it early in the season. They got away from it for a little while. Back to that cross-box pass to Pasternak for the one-timer will all of a sudden open up Bergeron again. Uh, I don't think there's any issues personnel-wise. They've just got to make some tweaks based on how other teams have now scouted them and are now playing them. Uh, anybody who lets Bergeron shoot from that spot is an idiot. Oh, absolutely. Because he is deadly with what he's been doing with that thing. <laughs> it's automatic, which it, is It weird. almost is. Yeah. You don't see that in, in hockey too often where, where a one shot is just automatic. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the Ovechkin one-timer on the power play from the point for the Caps. I, Stamkos had a run there where he was just he would do these one-knee slappers, these one-timers, and they were almost automatic. So when a player is feeling it, he's feeling it. I'm I'm reluctant to change the personnel. I think oh, the, I'm not changing the The personnel. only thing I would consider is if Pasternak has some more of these games where he's a little sluggish getting to the puck or retrieving it, I would maybe put McAvoy there and truly load up your power play units by having McAvoy and Krug at your two points. 
I know they've tinkered with that in the past. I'd be surprised if they do it on a full-time basis. Uh, but that's one thing that I would maybe do. Uh, but but again, that's that's a that's a minor fix to really what they're doing. A here. quick aside about Bergeron here, because a lot of people have said to me, "Why is he doing this this year? What what the heck's going on?" He worked his ass off. I mean, you go over there to Warrior, you do it all the time. I'm over there. Watch what he's doing. He's working on that shot every single day. Uh, he you know he he works on getting it away quickly, getting away getting it away. He's got pinpoint control of the shot almost always. Oh, he knows insane. where it's going before he lets it go. He's busted his ass. He's worked to improve. And the fact that he's in his 30s and is having, you know, arguably his best offensive year ever isn't an accident. It's no. not like he just suddenly, you know, nobody's playing him, uh, so he's just scoring goals. No, he's worked at it. He's really good. He's become a scorer. And he's got a couple of line mates who have been pretty adept at getting him the puck in the spot that he needs it. I would agree with that, and, and that's all the more reason to buy, I think, if you're, yes. if you're the team, because you don't know how many more years you have with this player. I, I looked it up the other day. Age, age 33 seasons are not necessarily kind to people. Uh, last question here from Richie Ernst. Does Zdeno Chara want to play next year if they win the Stanley Cup? He wants to play, period, whether they win the Cup or not. Yeah. Uh, he, he's told me. He, he wants to play for at least another couple of years. Uh, I think Don Sweeney's working on it now, uh, and, and there are going to be some people in Bruins Nation the ones who don't know their ass from their elbow, who are going to say, why the hell are they signing Zdeno Chara? Has anybody watched what he's doing this year? It's incredible. He has been unbelievable this year. Yeah. And, you know, he is a shutdown defenseman. We were running the Corsi numbers, the Edmonton game, and he was on against Connor McDavid for 15 minutes of five-on-five time. Bruins outchanced the Edmonton Oilers 12-4. to in those 15 minutes of five-on-five five time. And Connor McDavid's arguably the best player in the National Hockey League right now. He is, on a regular basis, playing the entire two-minute penalty kill. They've got the second best—well, I haven't checked today, but they had the second-best penalty kill in the NHL. A lot of that is Tuca, obviously. A lot of it is, is Zdeno Chara, who never leaves the Iceman down. Uh, he, he has embraced changing his diet, changing his training regimen— Tra- uh, changing how he approached the offseason. He looks like he's taken five, six, seven years off his game. He's having uh, fun. He, I have never seen him like he is right now. Exactly. He, he is so much more open, so much more engaged than he's been the last couple of years. He's got teammates who have bought into it. He's buying into it. When he scored the 180-foot empty netter the other night, when you saw the joy on his team's faces. And it wasn't just that it was an empty net goal to seal the win. It was his goal. Absolutely. They love this guy. <laughs> and he loves playing with this team. Uh, I absolutely want him back next year. I, if I'm Sweeney, I'm trying to sign him to a two- or a three-year deal. I'd like to keep it to two. If yeah. I had to do three, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd consider it. I absolutely want him back next year. It's like when you get a puppy, you know, for an old dog, and it makes the old dog feel young again, right? That's basically what it is in a lot of ways. McAvoy's the puppy? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. And and I think, speaking of your point about Char with the advanced at numbers, this that road trip was amazing for him. Oh! It was unbel- he shut Gaudreau down. Gaudreau was having a nightmare against against Char. It was pretty remarkable. Well, everybody does. Yeah. I, I, I saw him do it. I've seen him do it this year to, to John Tavares on the island. I've seen him do it to Johnny Gaudreau, to Connor McDavid. If you're the top offensive forward on an opposing team and you're sitting there pre-scouting the Bruins, you've got to be going, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this guy all night long? 
yeah. because he's out there all night. And what makes it even more remarkable in, in both Goudreau's and McDavid's case, Bruins don't have last change. Exactly. So they've had to, and I give credit here to Bruce Cassidy and his staff, they've had to kind of coach their ass off to make sure that they've got the matchups they want when they want them, and they've been able to do it on a consistent basis, and he's just been a beast. I know. Kevin Dean is staring at the ice. His eyes are watering because he can't look away. He's like, all right, get Chara back out there. we got to get him back out there. <laughs> and they do. And he hasn't been but, blinking at all. you know, the, the, the minutes aren't horrible. No, no, they're not 35-minute nights. They're doing a good job in that regard. And, you know, you look at he and McAvoy are obviously getting the most minutes. But this team is so deep that even the third defense pair is getting decent minutes. So they've done a good job not overextending guys like Chara and Bergeron and running them into the ground. The same way that they're not running Tuca into the ground. They're, they're handling this whole thing the right way. He's on pace for 55 starts. Perfect. It's exactly the number you want. Oh, that's and by the, the way, how best. does he look? He looks With fantastic. this workload, he looks <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a quick aside because we were having this discussion the other night as well. The uh, seventh player award is coming out. And I, I mean, honest to God, there's like six guys you could give the seventh player award to. But you know who mine is? Who's that? Anton Hudobin. That's a really good call. That's a really good call, actually. Wow. He's, he's my seventh player award winner. Yep. And now, again, the, the criteria here is the player who's performed above and beyond all expectations. Now, you got several guys of course. who apply. Danton Heinen certainly That's applies. Mine. Jake DeBrusque certainly applies. But Anton Hudobin would be the guy I'd give it to. If it were me, did anybody see this from Hudobin? No. And it's been one of the keys to the success this team has had this year. Absolutely. You can make the case it was a season-saving sort of month that he had yes, there. Yes, back was, in November. Absolutely. Got them right back on track. Without that, who knows where this team is. Maybe they're a wild-card team just fighting, stay, fighting to stay afloat in the pitcher right now, which you know would really be a, a crappy situation for this team to be in. Uh, going back to Char, the last point I wanted to make, that Holden trade, I love it because they have 1,000 games in the month of March and April. So you may as well find a way to get this guy in and ease some of those D-zone minutes off Chara if you can. And I think he's perfect for that. Month of March, they play 16 games in 31 days. I hate it. Basically from this weekend through the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, whenever that is, yeah. they're going to play every other night. It's brutal. It's absolutely it, brutal. It's going to be horrible in that regard. Yeah. And you hope you've got the depth, and I think they do, so that you don't have to run guys into the ground. You're also not chasing every point the way you were last year, you know, just to get into a playoff spot. You've built enough of a cushion where you're not sitting there saying, no, no, i gotta, I got to throw Patrice back over the boards here. We're down a goal. You say, no, no, I, I, we're okay. We'll just keep the rotation going here. And, and I think that's the, the way they'll approach it and the way they should. And it gives you some time to sort of see what you have there with some other lines, some other combos, yeah. see what you can do and, and go from there because it's, it's not the end of the world if you lose a game. You can, this team can afford to lose three games. It's kind of crazy to think about that. You can afford to lose three games in a row in a stretch run, but they theoretically could do that. You don't want to see it. I also don't see how they would. I know. But I, that's but I, guess, <laughs> I guess it's possible, but you know, the way they're playing, it's hard to picture. Yeah. You know, they don't lose two in a row very often. Exactly. It's been a while. It's what, mid-December, I think, yeah, was the last like time? something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. So you're going on record. You're going to say they're going to make some trades before Monday. I think they're going to make at least one, probably two. Yeah, I'm going to go out there, and I'm just to be contrarian, I'm going to say they don't. I'm going to say the price is too high. They like what they have with their forwards. Everyone wants one of the young kids. They say, go to hell. We're keeping the young kids. I say no deal. Their deadline deal is Ryan Donato. That's what I'll do. Which is a good deadline deal. You've got to wait a month. But I don't know what... He's going to do at the NHL level. Yeah. I'd rather have somebody that I know what they're going to do, or at least I have an idea what they're going to do at the NHL level. That's the only way I disagree with you. Yeah, the weird thing is they, they inquired on Darren Helm, which I don't really understand. That was from uh, Craig the, Custance. The, the term is decent. You know, the, the, the amount, uh, three six three eight something like that. 3.85, so I think. It's not yeah. a bad amount. I think that what blocked this thing is I think 
Donnie was trying to get them to take the Bolesky contract off his hands. Yeah, which is same same money, I think, almost Basically, to the dollar, yeah. And, and I think that's where he was, how about you take Bolesky and I'll take Helm, and we'll throw in a X pick, whatever it yeah. is, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I don't think Detroit bit. Yeah, so I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think they're going to try to move on these bad contracts. People are going to say no, and, and here we are. So I don't know. It's going to be a wild deadline, though, I think. I, I wouldn't be surprised if everything goes down at 3 p.m. on Monday, you know, right as the deadline closes. Trade deadline deal, I'll be on Nesson. Two thirty to four. There you go. Just begging Don Sweeney to do something. <laughs> so you and Jaffe uh, and Brick. Cool. Yeah, it's a good cast. I like that. We'll be there. Oh, awesome. and uh, and John Shannon from uh, Toronto. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that's good too. Yep. Yeah. Well, this weekend, this Sunday, the hockey show returns on EEI Sunday Skate. Myself, Ken Laird. We're gonna try to get a guest, someone to call in. Maybe one of the national guys, see what he wants, see what he thinks of deadline if nothing happens. You're really mad that we took zero pucks given for the podcast and you can't use it for the for your Sunday skate, huh? You know what? No, because I love I love the skate because I'm continuing what DJ started. You know what I mean? And like and and we can talk about oh, how's the skate going? You know, it's 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 a continuation of his of his product. This is this is ours. So I like this. So Dale, thank you as always for joining me. This has been Zero Pucks Given. Presented Sponsored by, by Star Market Baby. Attaboy. boy. Awesome.